you know that if you got pulled over, you'll probably be asked for a bride, right? And that's a, a cultural thing, right? And it's well known and it's not a, a thing that's, uh, it's not news in Mexico. Welcome, welcome everybody to Uncultured Swine, the show where we take dumb American stereotypes straight to the source and see how well they check out. Today we're going to be taking a look at our neighbor to the south, Mexico. My name is Cal, I'm your host, and I've lived in some pretty unique places in the world. From Tocantins, Brazil, to Amman, Jordan. And more importantly, I've been able to meet some fucking really cool people along the way. People who've agreed to let me poke fun at their amazing, beautiful cultures with the stupidest, stereotypical American questions I can think of. Enter Jose. Jose and I went on exchange together in Brazil in 2013, and we've visited each other's hometowns a bunch since. Jose's from Juarez, Mexico. Ring a bell? Juarez has one of the highest homicide rates in the world due to cartel violence. It's also a bustling city with honest people and bomb-ass food. Because if there's two or three or a thousand sides to every story, then maybe these stereotypes, maybe this shit we're not supposed to talk about, maybe there's a little something to learn there too. Or maybe these guys will just tell me to shut the fuck up. I'm born and raised uh, here in Juarez, which is the northern border city with El Paso, Texas, in the state of Chihuahua, mm-hmm. right, which is the biggest state by landmass in Mexico. Nice. So it's pretty wild. We have a lot of a uh, culture mix, and, and it's, it's become over the years a very industrial city. Have you lived in Mexico your entire life? Yeah, my entire life. Yes. Uh, be- beside that year that we went on exchange, I've been living here my my, my entire life. All right, great. So the first stereotype I had I wanted to talk to you about is one that I know specifically you're actually quite proud of. I don't think you'd see it as a negative stereotype, (laughs) which is the Mexican diet. If you asked 100 Americans to name a Mexican food, I bet you half of them would say taco, right? So are tacos as popular as Americans think they are in Mexico? Yeah, they're they're everywhere, and there's a huge staple of uh, Mexican uh, cuisine, if you will, if you will. Uh, it's more like a street food now, uh, and it's been there for for that most of the time. So, it's very prominent in uh, any state or any region in Mexico. Will have a different type of taco, which is something very, very, very uh, amazing, right? And anywhere you can go, you can find a different type of taco. For instance, like in the north region of Mexico, we have a uh, Tacos of uh, carne asada. No, that's the main stuff. Main mm. stuff. And then uh, you go down south and there's a lot of cecina, which is basically just beef steak or pastor, which is very popular. But yeah, they're very popular. You can find it's a, it's a food that you can find like in a, in a fine uh, cuisine, like a, a gourmet restaurant. They will serve you a, a gourmet version of the taco and on a street cart. Uh, yeah, it's something that Mexicans are really proud. Of. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so when we were we when I visited you in Juarez, uh, we had tacos for breakfast, and I remember that being like really surprising for me. Yeah. So how common is that? Well, yeah. So so this is the thing. Like th- this this type of food be- became uh, popular for a let's say a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, a hangover type of food. And, and this all uh, became a, a thing because it's what you will normally get served on a, on a big party, on a big wedding or a big quinceanera. So people will have uh, uh, food cooked over for their guests for the following day. 
right? Which is something they call a uh, torna boda or or uh, the, ah. the, the 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 party after the wedding. After the wedding, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you will get this type of, uh, of tacos that you had, which is uh, barbacoa, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is very popular. Uh, every state has a type of barbacoa. In the north, <laughs> it's a little, it's a little off because it's made out of the, the cow's head. Whoa. So we, we will utilize all of the meat. Uh, you you might have heard that uh, tongue. Yeah, tongue, uh, right? Tongue is very popular, but some some of the tacos that we had were, were made out of uh, head, which will Jeez. yeah, which will mean you, you were eating the tongue and the cheeks. Some some regions in Mexico are very proud for their brain cow brain Whoa. tacos. That's pretty crazy, right? That's, that's disgusting. Not, that's not as common as as as, as uh, or as uh, prominent here in North, more wow. in the South. But yeah, that's wild, and that's very common. So, would you say brain tacos are the weirdest type of taco you've heard of? Oh, no, you no, thought, no. Let's give me some more weird ones. Well, uh, the uh, intestines of 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 a uh, of a goat. <laughs> those are very prominent up north here in our region. Nice. And it's a divided opinion on that. So well, people will either love this intestine tacos, which is just basically confit uh, intestines and then refried after the confit. But Jeez. it will take, it's, it, these are very, very uh, exhaustive process because you have to clean them, boil them. Uh-huh. And when you're doing that, it really gets stinky in your house. Well, it's uh-huh. not something every every person or every family it's uh, willing to do on their houses. <laughs> it's mainly for also for events or for selling uh, on the streets. Right. That's one of the craziest uh, that it's very popular. So I love those tacos. I think they're, they're, they're test- tasty, but some people just really hate them. Uh, and yeah, I think those are the, the craziest that there are really popular. You can find any type of tacos. Like <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so the other like thing that had to do with uh, food that I think is very stereotypical from Americans is when we think of Mexico, we think of spice, right? We think, Mexicans, yeah. all Mexican food is so spicy. A lot of people even say, I don't even eat Mexican food because it's too spicy or whatever. Yeah. So my question to you is, do you, you've spent a lot of time in the U.S. as well. Do you get the impression that Mexican food is really that much spicier than American food? It's not that far from what you might eat uh, in Tennessee, for, for mm. instance, or mm. down, down in New Orleans, in that, in that region. So I think mm. that type of food compared to Mexican food, it will turn out to be a, a, even spicier. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at some points but yeah like uh on the uh farther south region of mexico which is like yucatan and a lot of that the, the, there's a, a region that's uh known for their prominent use of habanero or uh-huh. or, or a mix of uh spices spice blend that it's very it resembles a lot like indian food in in a sense right and it, it's all com- compared to the region right so northern uh food Typically uses a lot of jalapenos, which mm. is typically how it migrated to 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 the Tex-Mex food and the South Cali oh, food. Sure. The cool. use of a lot of jalapenos, but yeah, there's a lot like uh, there's region just in my state. There's a lot of region of farmers that will grow uh, peppers and then they will roast the peppers or dry the peppers, uh-huh. and that's how most of the spices are uh, uh, exported to the U.S. So that's what you typically find the, the wajillo, right? The wajillo, which is a variation yeah. of, a, of a type of chili dried and 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 roasted okay so overall i don't think it's that spicy we get used to it and the spice is not as uh harsh or as acid as you will find like in new orleans or in uh in tennessee gotcha 
Yeah, and I mean Guajillo, what is that? Yeah. I think they got that at Chipotle right now. <laughs> yeah, Guajillo's well, not even that spicy, just uh, a lot of taste, a lot of concentrated right. taste. That's that's something I noticed, I think, when we were when we were together, is it's less about like, oh, how crazy can you go? How intense can your spice go? It's more about these blends and these unique like flavors yeah. that come out of mixing. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's like one of the most prominent, going back again with the tacos, like the birria tacos that has just become a, a huge thing all over the world. Definitely. It's a blend of, of, of chilies, of dry chilies. You get some uh. Uh, wajillo chili, you get some ancho chili, you get some a mix of chilies, and then you, you boil them, you 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 uh, braise the meat, you you uh, make the, the whole dish with, with, with the blend of uh, chilies. Cool. Sweet. Um. And so I suppose my one last question on that on that topic when it when it pertains to food and spice. Um, have you heard of any health issues related to eating jalapeno or habanero, especially peppers? Well, not not directly. I know that uh, has some, uh, and it's probably a, a thing that that that's a, a result of this is people liking spices a lot. That it's a little helpful, right, for the for uh, your overall uh, anemic state. If you will, mm. but uh, what what happens is there there are a lot of processed food that that contain this type of uh, uh, chilies mm. and and like for instance there's a lot of candy and this is a huge huge uh, thing or huge stereotype in Mexico that oh candy have candy down in Mexico have chili and yet it's a blend of chili so um, at a young age kids start consuming these and then they go to a, a diet based on a, a, a hard uh, a very very extend uh, consume of uh, of chili, right? So that that can be uh, harmful in the long term. But overall, I think that's not one of the reasons of, of health issues uh, in Mexico. I think it's more because of fried food uh, or mm. very 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 heavy food like like uh, masa, right? Tamales yeah. and all that, which is yeah. really he- heavy and really hard to digest. A lot of carbs, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. All right, Swine, before we get into our second stereotype, let's hear a word from our sponsors, Uncommon Goods. Your loved ones are complex, beautiful mysteries, but Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anybody. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Here's a few of my favorite gifts that I found on their site. I got the custom song wall art, where you can get your favorite song in the form of a sound wave to hang up on your wall. I'm a huge music guy, huge production guy, so it's the perfect thing for me. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. Who knows what holiday shopping will look like this season, and the unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now and get it taken care of early. Uncommon experiences are more than virtual classes. They're unexpected opportunities to have fun and connect in new ways from tarot card reading, romantic map making, cooking and mixology classes, and more. No matter what they're into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. 
When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small, independent businesses. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash SWF. That's uncommongoods.com slash SWF for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Now, back to the interview. All right, so this next topic, I don't know that we've ever talked about it before. Um, but I know it's a big stereotype, um, when it comes from Americans, we all, a lot of times we think about Mexico and we think about mariachi and mariachi. Okay. okay? Yeah. So the question I have, first of all, is we've talked about music at length, all sorts of all throughout our friendship, but we've never, ever talked about mariachi. And I'm wondering how much do people actually listen to mariachi on a daily basis? Or is it more just about the tradition? Uh, it all depends on the uh, demographic group, right? There's a lot of people that it's really into, into regional uh, Mexican music mm. and they really embrace those uh, genres of music. But more so, it, it's a thing and it's a, a thing that you should know as a Mexican because it, it in, in, in any uh, given uh, night, if you go out, you will find some mariachis like going out and playing for a lot of, for some money, right? And, 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 mm. and, uh, showing at a, a showing up at a bar or a regular cantina and people just pay them for a couple of songs or five songs or some rounds uh, it depends also it's a very traditional thing to on a either a wedding anniversary or mother's day so mother's day here is different than in in, in the u.s right so here happens at 10th uh, may 10th i know then in the u.s it's like the second or or what is it the second sunday of may Something I must like be that, a right? Bad son, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so here you got it. Oh, 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 uh, every year, the tenth, May the tenth. Okay. So people will send mariachi uh, to their uh, to their mothers on that very same day, regardless if it's a Thursday, a Wednesday, or a Sunday. Uh. So they will play at night. That's like a gift, like a, a nice gesture, right? To send mariachi to someone. Like so nice. uh, I had, yeah, that's so nice. Like even in some uh, weddings, like people hire mariachi to play, either an hour or the entire night. I think it's a, I think it's a common thing. I don't, I, I wouldn't say it's stereotypical. I think it's pretty, pretty common. Pretty real thing. And and when you talk about them going to people's tables, it's kind of like they might not, they might not be like playing the venue, but like a band will come in and just go table to table and look for people that want a quick song, kind of thing. Just like that, yeah, just like that. Yeah, it's very. It's uh, the I haven't seen a, a cantina or bar that had host a, a, a mariachi band uh, in their venue, right? That's not a thing. But but they go into the into the place and they uh, wander around the, the tables and start uh, interacting with people. And people will ask them to sing a song, a specific song. So we talked. You you mentioned in your first answer about regional, how it's kind of can be regional. Is it regional in the sense that only mariachi only exists in certain parts, or is it just different types of music? Yeah, mariachi has its origins. I think it's in the state of Jalisco, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's native to that state, but it has spread all over the, the country, and mm. that's uh, in most cases that what what has happened with regional music. Like you have uh, Norteño music, which mm. is spread all all across the country. A lot of people in the south love Norteño music. 
banda music, right? It's also very prominent, mostly in the community. I think it's more prominent even in the Mexican communities in the US, the banda, banda, like banda MS, even Snoop Dogg has a song with them, right? But right. so that, that's more prominent in the uh, Pacific coast. That's where it was originated. Mm. And then a lot of the of their uh, fan base is based on the U.S. So that has spread even for, for, for that uh, demographic group. But yeah, every every state has this uh, uh, regional type of music. Well, do you know if mariachi is older than some of these other? Because you're right. These Norteño, Banda, they're also Mexican music that originated in Mexico. So it's curious why maybe it's the clothes, like why Americans always have this image of the mariachi band, you know? Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think it's the whole f folklore about it, right? The mm. the, uh, the dressing and mm. ha having to have the, the whole instrument, them singing live, multiple uh, vocals on a band. Right. Uh, and it's also, I think, what uh, a lot of uh, mm, songwriters and singers from Mexico will, uh, at some point of their careers, will try to explore that genre, mm. right? So, and, and that's a, a huge thing to do for them, right? Because it's a very well-respected genre in Mexico. Like, uh, like if you go in a high school or in, a, in a, an elementary school, there are some groups or there are some classes specific to that genre, right? So, and they're very uh, selective, right? Not, not, not anyone can get into. So it's, it's become some, something quite respected in Mexico, right? Uh, there even are competences. It's included in like the folk uh, events folklore events and uh, some major uh, educational institutions like colleges here will have a, a week of folklore, Mexican folklore events. Mm. Well, they have the, the dance, the folklore dance of each region, which will involve a different type of, uh, of, of uh, dressing. And right. then mariachis, almost in any competence or in any event, it's included. It has to. Right? It's very prominent. That's a hot, that's interesting. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you kind of what, uh, how people get into it, but you just described it. It's almost like yeah. in the U S it's like how we look at jazz, you know, you gotta have, Probably, you gotta yeah. try playing jazz and you gotta experience. So yeah, that's really cool. I guess my last question on the topic, you talked about demographics. Do you think that more old people are into mariachi than young people? Or do you think it's pretty much across the board? Everyone gets into it at one point or another. Yeah, everyone gets across that general at one point or another, right? You you'll have exposure either at a party or your parents like the the general mm -hmm. or your uncle or anyone in your family or if you just go to a bar a nights out of the let's say downtown here in Juarez, you will find a mariachi for sure. So and, and that's a mixed opinion, but I think from all the regional generous in Mexico, that's the most respected and uh, I would say more liked, right? Because I know a lot of people that don't really like Norteño music or banda music or cumbias. But I think mariachi is pretty well respected or, or is in a in high standard in Mexico, I think. As far as how these things, how these stereotypes go and effect and play out into the rest of the world, I think we could say for mariachi and for uh tacos, like you would you would say it it does a good, it's a good reflection of Mexican culture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we appreciate it that other countries uh, know, get to know that because it's very representative of our, of our country. And the more people get to know, the, the more they will start to get involved and, and, and start researching about it. And they will find that there's a whole war and a, a whole bunch of musicians that are pretty well respected that are into that genre or a lot of uh, good cooks that own a, a taco place. All right. So the third, the third one, I had to touch on it. You already know what it's going to be. 
It's a, yeah. it's a negative one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about something that relates specifically to your hometown for sure. It has a very mm-hmm. negative kind of infamous aura around it in the United States, which is the drug cartels in Mexico. Um, and I'll start off by saying, I know it's a sensitive topic and anything you don't want to answer, you want me to edit out, just let me know. Um, no, that's fine. You're, you're fine, man. All right. Awesome. So Juarez is often cited with one of the highest uh, murder rates per capita in the world. And it's largely due to the cartel violence. But that, that said, when I went and visited you, it felt like a really normal, safe, you know, fun city. So my question for you is, does the cartel presence and all these murders that are happening kind of behind the scenes, does that affect your day to day? Does it make you feel unsafe in any ways? Oh, not really. Like the the whole uh, war on drugs, right, uh, happened or start happening when I was really young, and uh, when it got really really bad was around two thousand and eight. So I was pretty young at that age, and you kind of get uh, a notion of how it's like and how how ugly it can get. So you you become more conscious about wh- where you go, the people you hang hang out with, and I think that's uh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, fortunate to say that right because now. Not all of the, the, the people here in Juarez get, get to have that choice, mm. right? So it's depending on your uh, social context uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in one sense. So, But yeah, it, it's a bad thing. Not that it, it affects my day-to-day life, but it can get a, to some degree. You have to be uh, cautious about your whereabouts, the people you hang out with. Uh, it is, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, it really doesn't affect that much the day to day, and I, I'll have to say, like most of the of the cartel uh, related uh, crimes, I don't, I won't say that they are thoroughly investigated. Mm. So some of them might just be an assumption. In, in Mexican media, it's known for that, right? Some is very, very, very harsh, and some is very well respected. And in some other cities, it's just plain and not uh, very, very, very thorough, right? They they don't really go through a lot of investigation. So it's a mix. So we, we kind of, as, as citizens of a dangerous city, if you will, mm. we ha- kind of became uh, aware of, of how ugly it can get. And, and we're really uh, just uh, are used to that and uh, um, not not in a negative way, right? We just really, really appreciate that we have a, a safe place to stay, uh, that uh, we really hope that violence doesn't get by any accident, one of our uh, lot beings. Mm, right. When you talk about knowing where and where not to go, are there places in Juarez, specific neighborhoods that are like run by the cartels? How does that all work? I won't say I won't say like a a, a whole neighborhood, if you will, but let's say to a, a specific uh, restaurant or place that you know that's gotcha. uh yeah, like just like probably in a mafia or in any other type of organized crime. Like there, there are some places that you should avoid. Mm. There are some type of people that really are not uh, into any any good. So you don't really want to stick around with them that much. And how do you do you just get an impression from those people or is there any way you can tell? Yeah, well, I think uh, you, you can cannot hide money or or, uh, or help. Right. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and it's become a huge part of Mexican culture at some point. Right. This uh, uh, drug cartel culture. You might have seen some documentaries or some news about this, right? So it's become part of the culture. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of stereotypes within the this demographic, like the, the way they dress, mm-hmm. the way they talk. So, and that's pretty much how you spot them. And, and there are some hubs where they 
most of the of the places are clubs, nightclubs, or restaurants. Gotcha. That 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 this type of a uh, of a uh, of guys will gather in. So you want to avoid those places. You see someone uh, close to you that's uh, somehow a little suspicious about consuming or money. So if you feel uncomfortable, you will just put a, a stop there and and not really uh, keep with that friendship, maybe. Mm. So do you think there's like this, because it sounds to me like there's got to be a lot of suspicion, especially when you don't know if the police can even effectively do the get involved. Like, do you think there's like a more of a level of suspicion on your yeah. on your day to day life, like being that you live where you do? Yeah, for sure. Now you brought a, a very, very hot topic, the 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 police side, right? That let's get uh, into that. Let's get into yeah, that. Which yeah, which is pretty interesting, right? But you just also become a uh, become a little conscious about how you need to be aware, right, of a uh, certain police enforcers, right? Mm. Certain types of of uh, of the police enforcement uh, are really, really uh, into that suspicion that you say, right? You don't really trust them. You know they're into something. Mm. You know that you can go south in any moment if they stop you over. They pull you over and you just are, I don't know, you get nervous. They could probably do something to you. But it doesn't happen that much. But there's uh, for sure that uh, level of uh, suspicion that you said or not mm-hmm. not being really comfortable around them. You said it. Yeah, you got to be on your toes. You got to be careful. Yeah. Um. So let's let's get in a little bit more to, to the police and how, how the police are involved in this whole thing. I know we've talked before and you've kind of said that you, t- you try to stay away from the police and the cartels. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Well, f- for instance, like if you go out uh, at night and uh, you didn't really drink that much or you don't drink, didn't drink at all. Uh, you know that if you got pulled over, you'll probably be asked for a bride. Right. And that's a, a cultural thing, right? The, something that will happen. And it's well known, and it's not a a thing that's uh it's not news in Mexico, mm. but it, it's become a little uncomfortable at some point, right? Because sometimes they just pull you over with no reason. Mm. I know that happens in in many places in the world, but in Mexico, it's a some it's a reality, and a lot of people can speak about this. So it just it becomes a an inconvenience for you to want to go out sometimes, yeah, at night or yeah. We taught you you yeah you mentioned a bribe happening. Um, does that do you have you really only seen that with the police with the um them pull it, police pulling you over, or are there other ways in which like you've seen corruption with the police? Not just just that that I have uh, witnessed with, with my own eyes, but I can assure you that there there should be a lot more things going on, and uh, it's a it's a big world, man. It's a a lot of money going around, and uh, uh, you know that it happens any place. But I think I think in Mexico that's a uh, it's it's becoming ironic at some point, right? It's just it's there, and and everybody knows, but nobody can say a thing, or nobody wants to speak that out uh, publicly. But everybody know just knows, right? I get the impression that the police doesn't have much control over the cartels. Is that right? No, no, no. Well, I think that overall, the the organized crime um, will have heavier guns than them. Uh, it's just a reality, right? So, and if you Look at the the way the the, the police enforcement uh, institutions are uh, constructed in Mexico. The whole police academy is not that robust that you will mm. really uh, uh, instruct a police policeman on how to act in certain type of uh, of situations, right? And I think that's a problem, right? Because 
uh, it's hard for them to just expose their lives. So sometimes they just, and this is what uh, it is. I'm not for sure about this, but it's just what you hear in the streets is that mm. they would rather just uh, look the other way or get some bribe instead of just risking their lives. The the question I have for you then about that is, are there areas you talked about restaurants and that might be some like part of this, but are there areas of the city where the police there, I'd call them lawless. Like when we think back to you and I both had an experience in Brazil and we think back to the favelas and the favelas are run by the cartels. Are there areas that are run by the cartels? Yeah. Um, there are some regions that, that are uh, prominent for 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 the uh, presence of uh, cartels, right? So, so normally cartels would target uh, junk people, uh, jobless people that are looking for uh, uh, an easy income, right? Mm. So they will target these uh, neighborhoods, right? So and and some of them will become really known for that. Uh, there there are even within uh, drug cartels, there are gangs like for instance one that's uh, native to here, to this area of of, uh, to, of Mexico, they just become very prominent. And it just becomes so big that they are even fighting with the cartels. They just, they just become a, a, a new cartel. Are the cartels like a gang or do people work with the cartels that aren't necessarily like part of the brotherhood? Well, it's it's become just a, a mix of, of big and, and prominent cartels that operate in several cities in Mexico. They will control a whole plaza. Mm. And there are some other minor contenders that started as gangs. So mm. the structure will be a little different, right? They will have some uh, practices as gangs, like like you say, like getting to the brotherhood. You have to do something. You have to show your 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 uh, your worth in yeah. a way. Or so all those practices. But that's probably because they're originate like uh, from a gang, and they just become so big that are now basically just a minor cartel. But it's a mix of, of, of them. There still are some uh, old cartels present here in Mexico, or some some of them old cartels had two brothers and they just split apart. And now are two minor cartels. So it's pretty wild. Can you can you be a part of a cartel and work a normal job? Or if you if you're in the cartel, that's probably your life. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think that that will play out. Uh, no. no. I know that they're they're really harsh and they really track you down uh, in a cartel, just like in a in a probably in a mafia, right? Right. If they are suspicious that would you might speak something uh, compromising to others, they will probably just kill you, right? That's that's a part. Uh, that's a reality. It's wild to say. Now I'm not completely certain of that. Just word from the street. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't think that plays out. And even so, because uh, day jobs here, well, you have to be a uh, you have to have a, a, a very prominent corporate job to <laughs> compensate what you will earn from the cartel. So I don't think that would play out. That makes sense to me. So you cross the border into America often. Do you ever yeah. do you ever come across signs of cartel like activity? Do you ever see routes or tunnels or how the how people bring drugs into the U.S.? No, no, no. I think that's a more uh, organized than than you will think because you don't see it that often. Uh, we, you can see, uh, border patrols, uh, patrolling in the waiting bridge and the, the crossing gate with, uh, canine units, right. To try to track those trucks. So it's pretty, I think it's pretty organized and you, I haven't seen anything that's suspicious at all. It's more like the, the, uh, immig- immigrants crossing over that you will see nowadays, Yeah, which is also wild, but 
but not not drugs that, that I witnessed. More go, like go illegal ahead. illegal immigration than than drugs. Yeah, so yeah, that's sense. more common. That makes sense. All right, um, I think this is gonna be my last question. Do you believe that Americans have an unfair impression of Juarez and of Mexico as a whole because of the drug smuggling and the cartel situation? Uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think that normally cartel won't, won't target a tourist or a, a person coming for business or just for recreation. That's not, not, not been a, a real case. So in that sense, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, it's a bad impression for, for, for Mexicans or for Mexico, mm. uh, in general, because it doesn't really affect your day-to-day life, right? It, unless you're like, I know a lot of tourists come here and, and, in in looking for a distraction and looking for a, for a hangout or something like that. Mm. So it can get a little dangerous depending who you hang out with. But I'm talking think about a... tourists coming and buying drugs, right? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Basically, yeah. Basically. Right. So that's one of the things that can, can, can uh, get you in some trouble, but definitely if you just come for uh, traditional tourism <laughs> or visiting someone. It's you, you will rarely see anything that may, will make you feel that threatened. Um, Again, this is not a, a, that big of a city. I know Mexico City, there's a lot of more uh, uh, conventional crime, like uh, thief or uh, assault, right? Mm. But not uh, robbery, right? Yes, but that's just a b- very big city. That's something that, that's not 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 uh, different than what you will see in Chicago or right. New York. Right? right, exactly right. All right, Jose, thank you so much, my man. You have been awesome. This has been so helpful. Muchísimas gracias, amigo. No, no, thank you for having me, Cal. You have a good one. Hey, mil gracias, Jose. Jose. No, por nada, hermano, nos vemos. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Uncultured Swine. 